Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Same Old Arsenal podcast. And what a happy podcast this is going to be. Absolutely. Um, I'd like to welcome you all to the show because it's something I forget to do every single week. So welcome to those in the chat room. Um, If you could press like and subscribe now, that would be fantastic. Um, Tonight's going to be a little bit different again because I'm just about to hand over to uh, the host, Suburban Guna Chris. He will be hosting the whole evening. I just want to just say a couple of bits. First of all, I wanted to thank everyone that came on the show in the chat room with Rebecca Lowe on Thursday night. I've never had so many amazing comments privately as well. It was the most amazing show. She was incredible. And if you want to watch, it is um, obviously on YouTube and it's downloaded in audio. And uh, it was fantastic. And what she only said about Arteta, go and watch and you can see. Um, Right. That's it, really. Enjoy the show. Over to Chris. Thank you very much. And thank you all to you, lovely people in the chat and everyone listening to this, whether you're listening to this live or whether or not you are doing what I do, which is I download all of my podcasts and listen to them as I go for a nice cheeky run every single day. So it's always nicer after a victory. And thankfully, we got that yesterday, eventually. So I wanted to just start off and kick us off with just some initial thoughts. Let's almost do a little bit of a top line as to how you're feeling. And then I think what we'll do is we'll go into like a chronological order, if you like, which unfortunately we'll start with that Ollie Watkins uh, goal. But let's just have, I want a one minute from each of you. I'll start with you, Cookie, on general feelings, how you're doing right now. I am elated because uh, if we'd have not picked up all three points in yesterday's game, that would have been absolutely crushing. I think, um, you know, I've got a lot of respect for Villa, for Unai Emery, but they were in the second half, I think one of the worst sides that we faced this season. So not to have got the result, given everything that's gone against us um, in recent weeks, I mean, it would have been a real sickener. And I feel like the way in which we've won it, got to use this to galvanise the squads because after that poor run of results, 
um, where we didn't play badly in all of them, but we definitely didn't play to a level that I know we can do. Second half performance was fantastic. It was the Arsenal that we've seen so much of this season. Bring that performance into the game against Leicester. So much to be positive about. Obviously, a few negatives that I'm sure we'll speak about as well. But general feelings, absolutely over the moon at the moment. Lovely. And uh, the Guna Princess, or just uh, Amanda, you know, you don't have to call me Suburban Guna Chris. I have a first name. It's just Chris to stick on that. So unless you just want me to call you Princess forever, which I'm not. Oh, well, a lot of people just do call me Princess. But the funny thing is, I just know you were Suburban for years. It's like, it's Suburban coming when we used to go to the pub and stuff. Um, what's your question, Christopher? Uh, feelings. You got one. Give me a one minute overview as to how you're feeling right now, football related. Oh, just ecstatic. I mean, it, I mean, we're not going to. I'll go into the match later, but it was make or break, wasn't it? it I, I truly and utterly believe that. Um, it, it's just the most amazing feeling, and then to watch Forest and I watched that game draw in the last few minutes to City. You sort of go, thank you, God, you know, because I tweeted before the game on Wednesday, and I said, just because. Even if we win, it doesn't mean we've won the league. And even if we lose, it doesn't mean we've lost the league because people were losing their marbles from Wednesday night right up to Saturday. Obviously, we haven't really spoken about Wednesday night, but we all know what happened. We all saw it. We were all there. It was, unfortunately, they deserved it. We we just didn't. But it, I felt quite sad those couple of days, more that all this good work is going to go to waste because we just couldn't <clears throat> match City in the way that we wanted to. You know, it was desperately um, gut-punching when you found out at four o'clock the party wasn't playing. I sort of lost. I, I know it sounds weird. On the way to football, I was not the same as I was before a new party wasn't was playing. So I felt like, mm, lost the game. Jorginho was fantastic, so that was good. But generally... I mean, if you if you don't love football, you don't know what you're missing. That is a really um, good pricey in terms of the feelings right now. We have experienced as Arsenal fans the last eight days of every type of emotion. So I'll talk about my personal journey that I've been on over the last eight days. Um, Saturday evening uh, last week into Sunday, frustration. It was frustration. It was anger. We'd been cheated out of something. Um, we talked. I, I won't dwell on this because we've already talked about it last weekend. But that's the feeling. And then there's nervousness. And then there's a nervousness building up to the Man City game. But it's also an excitement. And then, like you, Amanda, then there's the deflation after the yeah. party situation. So now you're feeling deflated on a Wednesday before we go into it. And in our little WhatsApp group, we were saying like, this is going to be really tough without party now. And then you go into the game. And we start to hold our own, but ultimately we make the mistakes. And there was a very odd, me personally, I had a very odd feeling at the end of that. It was a numb feeling and it was a feeling of numbness because I didn't feel like this was a Man City that's blown us away. I spoke the guy, Nick, who I stand next to in block five. We talked about it after they went, uh, when it was 2-1 to them, I said, the frustrating thing is that this isn't the, one of those games where Man City have popped the ball around us four or five times and bang, 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 goal, bang, 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 goal. wasn't like that. And so for me, again, talking about personal journeys, after that game and the result, I, I completely, I 
removed my Twitter app. I removed removed all football notifications. I I muted and archived all of my WhatsApp uh, football groups because I was just like, I need just time away from it because I was so deflated. And so then I reinstalled everything on that Saturday morning <laughs> in prep for the Aston Villa game. And then seeing that first half and we're going to come to the first half and I'm going to, I'm going to go with um, you, with you. Uh, I'm going to actually, I'm going to go back to Amanda and then I'll go to, back to you cookie. Like that first half and the deflation to then get to the elation of the end. I feel like I've basically gone through like the many stages of grief and then into, you know, acceptance. And now I'm happy again, but Amanda, let's talk about the start. Let's talk about the Villa games. Focus on that now. Cause that's ultimately why we're doing this here podcast today. Before we talk about this, what I want you to do, um, because let's, I'm going to go positive and then into negative. The positive or the fun is um, I want you to pick a receptacle of Martinez's tears that you would like to drink uh, from. Uh, so any receptacle that you'd like. And then we'll talk about the Ollie Watkins goal and your feelings there. So um, positive and negative. The receptacle, which of those many mugs of yours are you going to choose to drink Martinez's tears <laughs> from? And then we'll go into the serious case of the Ollie Watkins goal and um, just general thoughts around that. It was incredible. Before we do anything, we've got to wish Tracy happy birthday for yesterday. She has watched the show happy since birthday, day one. Tracy. Happy birthday, Tracy. And she's down in Australia, so God knows what time it is for her. But happy birthday, my lovely. And now we will go on to Emmy Martinez's tears. Could you have written it? No. I, I mean... I've never, it, it, you just couldn't write it. He can, I'll drink out any mug because when I woke up this morning, his header was the first thing I thought about. You know, when you wake up that split second and you go, have Arsenal won? Because it's that split second of waking going, oh, it's Sunday. And I thought, oh, they have, yes. Yes, Emmy. Thank you. Cheers. Not only that, not only has he got the Arsenal fans laughing at him, his manager's fuming with him absolutely fuming to come out on TV and throw Emmy under the bus and say, I never told my goalkeeper to go up front. I mean, and that's the reason you don't. However, they wouldn't have uh, got a draw anyway. Um, I, the, the feeling of that's the word deflation I was looking for. I, I don't know how many more different feelings we can go through, Chris, to be honest. Mm -hmm. We've had the, coming out Wednesday night of the Emirates was – Angry, sad, like not shocked, but I just didn't know. We hadn't won for a few games and like when's the next win? And, and you know, I'd been saying all along, Aston Villa's so important, They're just as important as City. They all become so important. I couldn't see us getting a win on Saturday. You know, they looked tired. They looked jaded. They couldn't score. You know, how many chances does Eddie need? And we need to talk about Eddie later. And... And then you wake up and you go, and, and the hope comes back, doesn't it? Yeah. And I, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't want to go into the game yet because you're going to talk about the goal. But it was, I, I went for two all. And you're right, you did shut off your WhatsApps because you didn't answer any of mine when I asked you for a prediction <laughs> or anything. I thought you disappeared off the earth. Um, but Cookie, you went for a win, didn't you? Craig went for a loss, and I went for a draw. I went two all. And I just thought, okay, let's just get a point. Let's just try and get a point. You know, let's not lose. That's more important than anything. And let's get a point and then we can start again. We've got a week off now. But I, I just, 
I, I didn't know how to feel. I didn't, I didn't enjoy. I didn't look forward to it. If that's what you're asking me. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was one of those that was, I think one of the things I think we all felt and cookie, I'll bring, let's, let's talk, let's start getting into the nuts and bolts and the nitty gritty mm. of the game now, because I think one of my fears was very short turnaround played Wednesday night. Isn't it very, isn't it just the most Arsenal thing ever that um, we play Wednesday night um, and then we're the first game on away from home on a Saturday morning, which I thought again, Arteta referenced this bit harsh in terms of the scheduling, but mm. talk to me about the opening sort of five, 10 minutes, your feelings. Could he, if we can do break this into two, so give me your the pre-match in terms of the selection. Were you happy with it? And then that let's 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 dig into that first five minutes and how you felt, particularly with that Ollie Watkins goal. So regarding um, the selection, I wasn't surprised at all by it. I think the one obvious change that a lot of us were discussing previously was Trossard coming in for Martinelli. But what I really liked was some of the lineups I was seeing predicted by the likes of Gunner Blog and various other um, guys was the switch from Martinelli going from the left into the middle and having Trossards on the left as well with Saka on the right. I just thought that front three, you know, it's experimental and maybe it's too big of a change. Maybe it's a bit too reactionary. I totally understood that, but I just loved how dangerous it could be. Um, so that was something I was definitely keen to see. And another one that I was really up for was Kieran Tierney. I really wanted him to start this game. And I think justifiably so based on that first half. And, you know, I'll eat my words, you know, because in the second half, we'll talk about Zinchenko because he was imperious in that second half, scored a great goal. Um, but I, there, there were a lot of things he did wrong in the first half. And the opening goal was on him. You know, it wasn't just on him. I think Saliba could have done a bit better at shepherding uh, Ollie Watkins out further further wise. But I mean, it's, it's you know, it's a shoulder against shoulder. It's always going to be difficult with a top striker like Ollie Watkins bearing down on goal. But it ultimately stems from that Zinchenko mistake. And he's looked a little bit haphazard. He's looked a little bit too demanding of the ball at times. Um, and as I say, I don't want to lay into him too much because his second half was great and he certainly made amends for what was a poor first half. Um, but it's not like him to lose possession that sloppily. And it was sloppy. And uh, it wasn't just him that was doing it for the course of the game. You know, the problems that I think we've seen in recent weeks stemming all the way from the Everton game and that we've not been able to string two passes together or we've strung them together, but then it's the final one that's been really poor. Our just passing game hasn't been as zippy, hasn't had the technique and accuracy that's been associated with Arsenal this season. So, yeah, it was disappointing. And when Watkins got that goal, I mean, fantastic finish, credit to him. I think a lot of people have been saying Ramsdale could have done better. I'm, I'm not too sure. I thought it was a really great goal. You've got to hold your hands up and say it's a Sorry, great that finish. Was me. But... That's all right. No worries. Getting too excited, are we? Um, it was uh, my my feeling at that moment, just after he scored, was please, please do not let this be a 3-0 Aston Villa because it really felt like it had all the makings of those games we've seen, you know, in years gone by, going all the way back to 2012, 13, 2013, 14. You know, we'd go early, uh, go a goal down early to Stoke City, Jonathan Walters, and, you know, that'd be it. You know, the game would be gone. I've got so many memories of those types of games etched into my brain. I wish I didn't because those were horrible games, but it happened all too often. We'd go away from home, concede early, and we'd just be out of the game, and we'd go on to lose mm -hmm. about 3-4-0 to, you know, relatively mid-table sides. You know, Southampton away. God knows how many times we went there and got turned over. So I was apprehensive. I was worried, but credit to the team for responding really well to going down initially. 
Um, obviously conceded again and then responded really well to to that as well. But um, we'll get into that later. But yeah, my my opening feelings in the game were very much of apprehension. But you know, the team turned it around. It felt disjointed to me. It felt like we were carrying the hangover of the recent stuttering start. And I think I said last week, I don't know if I said it on the pod or whether I was just talking to you guys about it. Um, my fear was this was the blip and this was a bit like the 2007-2008 blip where we drew like four games in a row and we went from being a few points clear to being about four or <clears> five points <throat> off of United because we drew four games in a row. They just kept on winning. So that was my big fear and I could. it almost felt like that was unravelling or that was being played out in front of our very eyes because, you know, within the first one, and let's be honest, that was their first attempt at goal. And let's actually make this right. We were poor in that first half. I think we can single out... We could single out some players. They're all they've all been so amazing this season. And so I'm not gonna I'm not trying to dig them out too much, but I thought Zinchenko held on to the ball a little bit too much at times. I thought his distribution wasn't great, as you said, Cookie. Um he lost the ball for that first one, and then just as Matty Cass just drove infield beyond him and he just wasn't keeping up with his runner. I mean, to be fair to Cash, it's a very good floated ball. Um, again, Saliba can probably do more, but our passing just felt laborious and a bit slow. And I think Arteta referenced it. But Amanda, we get back into it within literally 11 minutes. And so this is an Arsenal team that is playing within itself, is not playing that great. We, we are, I thought Xhaka lost the ball a few times. Zinchenko in that first half lost a few ball a few times. Trossard was trying, but he couldn't get beyond his man. Um, so there was there were there were challenges there were issues with the team but this team to its credit responds and talk to me about the Bukayo Saka goal because that's a response wow where would we be without Saka I, I and every time he gets kicked or goes down I literally my heart goes because he is one of the most incredible players I've seen in years um yeah, I agree with you on the players in the first half. Absolutely. Um, so many mistakes. Gabriel, Saliba, Ben White. We could just go on. Xhaka looked like he'd run out of energy. Erdegaard was giving the ball away. <laughs> it was just a catalogue of errors. However, the goal he scored was like the Arsenal of three weeks ago. It was absolutely beautiful. Um, and, and from that moment, I thought, we're on here. You know, it's one all. We're going to win this. I didn't think I didn't feel it was going to go the way it did, obviously. But and then I sort of lost it again. I felt I don't know. I felt like I'm sure Villa are going to score again, which obviously they did. Did we go in two one half time? Yeah, it two, two one, one down. So, folks, just two things. Tierney, what uh, Cookie was saying, I tweeted at half time. We need Tierney on in capitals, and then I put I repeat, we need Tierney on. I mean, obviously, Cookie and I were wrong because look what he did. Second half was incredible. But I, I believe in the first half we needed Tierney. And then I tweeted as, because they mentioned on the TV that Arsenal were out four minutes earlier than the other team, than um, Villa. And I looked at Carl and I said, I bet you he's thrown teacups in there, in there. I bet he's gone absolutely mental at them and said, you know what, you've got to look at yourselves and get out there. And he, I have heard he said... You need to all look at each other and this is going to define your season this second half and where do you want to go with it? I love that. 
because what Pep did at half time against us, Mikel didn't do at half time against City. But what he's done at half time here has completely changed everything. They came out like it was three weeks ago, like we were playing United. It was all us, it was tremendous. Um, yeah. And also, I pointed out that Emmy Martinez, before he headed the goal home for us, he got a quick ball out, and from his ball, they scored their second goal. And as it was coming up the pitch very fast, I said to Carl, why don't we do this? We are so slow, tippy-tappy at the back. We'd still be in our half by the time they'd even gone and scored. Um, and, and as I was saying it, and you could see he was going to score, what brilliant dummy and a brilliant shot. And you thought, here we go. Here we go. It's just, it's just not working. Yeah, just on that, though, I think, that's a little bit of um situation of circumstance, really, because the way in which Villa set up, every time we had the ball, they would drop deep, they would be compressed, and they would make it difficult um to, for us to have the for, for us to get positions like on the edge of their box. So as soon as they don't have the ball, they basically just retreat into it themselves. And as us Arsenal fans, as you guys in the comments will probably all um be well, well, well aware. We've seen an Unai Emery Arsenal team and we did the same, like we've seen it, we've seen it play out. Uh, and so Emery set them up that without the ball, contract into yourselves, just like Brentford did, just like Newcastle did. That's exactly the game plan he wanted. And so I think it's a bit different with us because we're trying to be the ones that are dry. We're trying to ones that we're trying to be the ones that are with the impetus and trying to push and press them back. And so the game plan that we have as a team that's top of the league is very different mm. to the game plan that they have. However, what is you you are right in that one of the challenges that we had with that goal, it was a very good goal, by the way. I said this on social media. Mm. I said, actually, that is a good goal. But when you rewatch it, there's not enough pressing on the ball. I think Ben White, who's been brilliant all season. Um, Cookie, I'm, I'm going to bring you in just to talk about that Coutinho go. Um, ben White, who's been brilliant all season, I think he gets turned a little bit easily. Um, Shaka, all right, he gets his feet a bit t tangled up. Fine, it happens. But a couple of things there. And Cookie, give me your thoughts. But for me, um, too easy for them to transition back to front. Um, and with their second shot of the entire half, they score. But also... A final thing from me, and I will hand over to Cookie because otherwise I'll go into a monologue. Philip Coutinho is the most single-handedly overrated Premier League footballer I've ever seen because basically he got a goal, it was a good finish, but did nothing else in the entire game. And that's been his entire career. And yet he's managed to fashion like big money moves. That's a personal issue I have with Coutinho. Take me into a direction, Cookie, in which we're actually talking about this match and the goal, please, for the love of Mohammed. <laughs> I want to start talking about the more positive stuff, mate. But you're, you're giving on. me the... No, let's no, do no, the no, in the no, second no, half. Let's get this over with. I mean, it was like a hot knife through butter, wasn't it? It came out absolutely nowhere. Like you say, it was Villa's only real opportunity of the half, aside from the Leon Bailey one that they had, um, which I'm sure we'll come on to. But it was just... Okay, number one, it was a really well-worked move. Um, but there were a catalogue of errors on our part. Like you say, there was no pressing on the ball. Ben White gets sucked in and allows the space for the pass to be made. So it was frustrating in that sense. It just lacked a little bit of urgency from us. We just completely switched off. I'm not sure why that was exactly. You have to say it was a great dummy by Buendia. Coutinho in the right place at the right time. And 
his first goal in what 19 games like of course he was going to score the script is already written for that um so yeah that was that was disappointing and at that point in the game um you know i, I still got, i still felt positive to be honest because although we were 2-1 behind there was so much space so much space for us to exploit as we saw in the second half and i mean when we scored in the 93rd minute obviously um that was euphoric but we had so many more opportunities to put that game to bed so much earlier than it needed to be done and um when it when it was half time and we were two one down i read that horrible statistic that arsenal haven't won a game from two one behind at half time outside of london since 2009 i was like okay that that doesn't make for great reading but if there's ever going to be an opportunity to wipe the slate clean on that one and if there's ever an Arsenal team to do it, then it's this Arsenal team because this is a different Arsenal team. And credit to the side because after that goal, second half, it was um, yeah, it was as good as it has been this season. Let's talk about that. Let's move on then from the unpleasantness and move to the pleasantness. And that is that second half. Um, one of the things I will say, though, Cookie, I'm just going to pick you up. Not you, but I'm going to pick the media up on, on this kind of uh, narratives. What a niche level of metrics they love to go into. Um, Arsenal have never beaten a team from a lunchtime kickoff on a Saturday um, on <laughs> BT Sport uh, away from home in, in the Birmingham region before, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Um, I know it, it, and I'm saying that, but it plays on my, much like you, James, it plays on my mind constantly. It's like, oh, well, that's it. We never win these sort of games. But this team is different. And as Amanda said earlier, they came out, they came out early. And the and the commentators made a natural comment of that. They were like, you know, Arteta sent his men out three or four minutes early. And that was almost a bit of a, a sign as to this is what we're going to get. And it was a different team. It was the Arsenal from the first 19 games of this season. One of the things we haven't just, uh, we've glossed over because we're kind of going through this chronologically is the fact that Nketiah had a, um, a, a header, which was just tipped onto the bar. This was an Arsenal team that didn't play well in the first half. We still hit the bar. We still created chances. We still probably created more chance. Well, we definitely created more chances than Villa in that first half. We come out in the second half. Um, we start applying pressure and even before uh, we got our goal, Amanda, there were chances. But talk to me about that first sort of 15 minutes leading up to 61 minutes when Zinchenko scores uh, from a corner. And actually, really interestingly, and I don't know if you noticed this, Amanda, but we didn't go into their box at all from corners. We went short almost all day. That was clearly a tactic from them, wasn't it? We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
oh I didn't notice that <clears throat> I haven't really thought about that um oh it was it was totally mind-blowing it was like a game of two halves as the cliche says it was it was the old it was the arsenal that we have grown to love we were dynamic disciplined focused all of a sudden everyone got a bit of energy which seemed amazing um and then i mean as i said i wanted Tierney on um at half time but not um but not to the detriment of Sinchenko, but I felt we needed. And then he goes and does that and scores his debut goal when we're desperate. And that was, I, I would have loved to have been in that crowd. I, I tell you, I would have loved to have been there because you could see they went mental. We went mental. I went mental at home. Just could not believe that we then went to all. Because then I was saying to Carl, oh, my God. My prediction, I'll take two all now because we were still, it, it wasn't like we were 80, 90 minutes in and we were playing brilliantly. I don't know what minute we scored in actually. Um, 61. Maybe one of you. scored on 61. Right. So that's what I'm saying. So we'd only been playing 15 minutes or 14 minutes or whatever. Um, if it would have been 30 minutes, I'd have gone, yeah, let's go for it. We're playing brilliant. We just started to play better. And all of a sudden we're going, and I thought, but we're going to concede. Because we're just not playing well in defence. I don't know what's happened to our defence. And going back to their second goal, from Emmy Martinez to them scoring, we don't make one tackle. Nothing. Mm. I mean, how's that possible? Not one tackle. And I think that's my concern now. The fact that Eddie's not scoring, and we really need him to, is less of a concern to me than our defence is. It, re it really is concerning me. However, they were magnificent second half. And I'm so proud and, and, and I felt like an, an incredible sense of relief. Yeah, it was a sense of relief. James, just um, just want to get your thoughts, actually, just quickly on the Saka stuff, because he was booted around a bit because it was, for me personally, it was probably just after that. I feel like it was just after that goal. Actually, no, it wasn't. It was just on half time when Saka was booked. Um, and he was booked for essentially having his ankles kicked for about the third time. Um, does there need to be a bit more protection? I know we're kind of veering away from like the chronology of the actual event, but it's something that I wanted to get in because it's something that I wrote down earlier I wanted to, uh, or yesterday I wanted to talk to you guys about because it feels to me like something needs to be done about this. I would love to say yes, but the reality of that happening, I feel like is next to none uh, because it's, been accepted that this is part of his game so it's going to happen it's the same thing that happened with Jack Wilshere it happens with Grealish time and time again I mean these sort of combative players that take players on and as a result get fouled and chopped down because they're better than the players that they're coming up against it's just a ridiculous way of viewing the game and I can't believe that it's not officiated in a better way because if you look at the amount of fouls that were so petty on Saka but were so dangerous there was one that I think was made by Moreno that was yeah. just disgraceful. Like it was a really, really bad challenge. Um, I don't think he even saw a foul for it. I might be wrong on that, but he certainly didn't get a booking for it. And I cannot blame Saka for reacting in the way that he did um, because it's been brewing up. Like it's been bubbling up all mm. season. I think it was Coutinho that put in that poor foul on him. I just don't blame him for getting up and giving him a shove because he, he knows what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. And, uh, you know, if you're going to give it, you've got to take it as well. And I'm not saying that, you know, you should go around pushing players, but at some point it's going to evoke a reaction. 
And that's exactly what happened. It's exactly what we saw. And like I say, I don't blame him. It must be so frustrating for him to play these sort of, sorts of games against any level of opposition and just be constantly debilitated every single time you go forward and not see the opposition punished for it. I'd love to say we, we need to see more protection for him, but that's going to come from the officials. And at the minute, they, they probably see it as we can't keep giving him fouls because if we do, then the game's going to get stopped every five minutes. But there's got to come a point where you start doing that to stop people making those rash challenges because I, I don't know how else you get around it because otherwise we're going to, dare I say, I mean, Saka is an incredibly strong individual. He's played every single game for us this season. He played every single game for us last season. Um you know, I expect him to make 50-odd appearances for Arsenal this this term. But if he keeps getting knocked about in this way, uh, I do worry about him breaking down. And that should be a worry for not just Arsenal fans, but for England fans. Because if we ever want to win a, a Euros or a World Cup, I mean, we're going to have to do it. One of the best players in the world. And that's what he is at the moment. So <clears> it's, um, yeah, it's, it's not nice to see. I hate seeing it, but I, I just don't see the protection coming. I think that the answer really lies in, um, and apologies for anybody that's not Lord of the Rings fans here, but um, the answer really lies in us um, uh, putting together some kind of a chainmail, mithril-style things around his ankles to protect him because that's he's going to end up being diabied at this rate. Um, mm. It's only a matter of time. And unless we get, and I don't know, like you, James, I don't really know the answer Unless the answer is captain, whoever it is on the day, goes up to the ref and just says, do you know what, ref, just heads up. Can you just, you know, I'm not trying to influence you, but just keep your eyes on Bukayo because um, he gets, he, this is a the fifth week in a row where he's getting little treads on his ankle. So I don't want you to do it, just keep an eye on it. And it plants a seed. And maybe Arteta needs to start just planting the seed. Maybe we just need to try a little bit of the uh, the dark arts by using the press, by using the you know the media, by using um, players, just having a little cheeky word, you know, the old sort of you'd see it from like the uh, the England sort of players that would put their arm around a ref, you know, um, Mike Dean. You put your arm around Mike Dean, or you put your arm around Andy Anthony Taylor, and you just go, "Oh, you're right, Anthony. Call him by the first name. You're right, Anthony. Can we just uh, just to keep an eye on Bakayo because the last few weeks he's just been kicked a little bit. So just keep your eye on it. Plants a seed." That's what I think is our, our next kind of thing. But I don't want to keep you out of this, Amanda. Just is there any final thoughts you want to add on the Bukayo Saka and the rotational fouling and that sort of stuff before we then move on to um, what happened next, which was the deliciousness of the uh, closing stages of the game? Um, so with Saka, <clears throat> I think we're only going to get protection when he actually gets injured. It's going to come to it. I agree with you on that. Um, the only thing is, the reason, uh, we all know, don't we, he's not a dirty player, he's not a snidey player, he doesn't do any shithousery, he doesn't showboat, they're trying to get him because he's absolutely brilliant and they're just trying to chop him down and get him out of the game. I do have a fear, as I said at the beginning, my heart goes every time he gets knocked. I say to Carl, oh my God, he's injured, straight away, and, and you, you just have that fear. And I was around in the days when Robert Perez got hacked and hacked and hacked and hacked and then got hacked one too many times and missed out on the last period. I can't remember what year it 2002. was. We, 2001, we, 2002 against We won the Premier League um, and I, I, I've never cried 
over a player. And when Robert Perez hobbled off, I knew straight away, I knew it. I said, he's going to be out now. And I actually had a tear because Robert was one of the most influential players in that campaign. However, Saka is just as important and I can just see it. And I'm, I dread the day. What can we do? Yes, the captain does need to speak to the ref at the very beginning and sow the seeds. It is something that maybe Erdegaard's not aware of that he should be doing. He's a young boy, isn't he? But he needs to. The thing is, there's, there's such a, you can tell there's no clicks in the team. They are one and they protect. And Saliba went storming over. You've got Ramsdale coming down the pitch, you know. However, I don't know what we can actually do because for some reason, referees do not stop it in time. And I'm, I'm afraid I can see a DRB injury coming. Mm. Yeah. And I mean... We what we all we can do is use the levers that we have within our control, and maybe part of that is Arteta saying, as I mentioned already, it's part of it's Arteta saying, referee, or even if it's he doesn't say it publicly, even if he just mm. in the tunnel just has a little word with a ref and just says, look, I don't look, I'm just going to say, can you just keep an eye because Bakaya for the last few weeks he's come off his Achilles has been a bit sore because he's been kicked a few times, so you know I'm not asking you to referee him differently. But just keep your eye on it. And actually, by doing that, he is saying, I want you to referee him differently. Actually, Pete Geary, Chris, look, Eduardo, 2008, that happened yeah. in the game, scares me. And and that's how we're all feeling. He's yeah. so important and he yeah. shouldn't be treated like that. Because as I said, he's not snidey. He's not dirty. He doesn't do any shithousery or any showboating. He doesn't actually deserve it. He just doesn't. Nope. But he does get booed by away fans quite a lot, which I find really ironic because they, but that's just. Uh, they think he's acting. It's probably just, um, I'm going to get, I'm probably going to get like a few people in the comments now, but it's probably just sort of Northern fans that get grumpy because he's a talented guy from uh, from London. But oh, I'll move on. I'll gloss over that. But <laughs> um, let's move on to the more pleasant stuff. Now, I want you, uh, Mr. Cook, to talk to me about um, the closing stages of the game. But I want specific reference to the impact of Martinelli coming on because I thought that made a big difference. Trossard is a good player. You can see how he adds value to our team. He can drop a, he's very good at dropping a shoulder. He can weave. He's, he's, he's a very clever footballer. But yesterday to me, in a way that in the first half, it felt like Tierney going direct on the out, on the overlap could be an option against like isolating Matty Cash. Didn't happen. We managed, you know, it, as it turned out, second half, Sinchenko picked up fine. Part of that to one side. But it felt to me before the game, I thought Trossard playing the right move, bring Gabby out, let him come on. Good thing. But when we got to 68 minutes and Martinelli came on, I was actually at the point of thinking Trossard hasn't been bad. But direct running of Martinelli might work. And I do think it did flip the game for us in terms of we put even more pressure on. But just going to get your thoughts on that. And then if you want to, you can lead straight into that goal and feelings. Lovely. Set me up nicely there. So um, Trossard, like you say, I thought he was good. Didn't think he was bad. I really wanted to see him start. It's exactly what I wanted. Um, linked the play really nicely, I thought. But he was in an Arsenal team that in that first 45 wasn't playing at the level it can do. And I think the the lovely thing about having Martinelli and Trossard is, you know, whoever starts the game, 
whoever's finishing it is coming on with some form of impact, whether that be Marte running directly or whether it be Trossard weaving in and out of players. I'm not really too fussed who starts and finishes the game, to be honest, because I love, I love both of them. I love what both of them can do. And I wouldn't really be against Trossard starting again against Leicester. And we see you see a similar sort of thing. So um, when Martelly came on, like you say, he yeah, changed the dynamic entirely. Uh, his pressing, his running, um, it was similar to when he came on against Manchester City and was so influential in that game, in the FA Cup game, that is. Um, I think he's such a good option off the bench because what he's got in terms of energy in abundance, that's coming into a game in the latter stages is a nightmare for any defence. So yeah, he was a big change. But going into um, the latter stages, just before we touch on the last goal, which I'm sure we're all going to want to speak about in a bit of detail, um, we had so many opportunities to win this game, as I referenced earlier. I mean, that yep. Nketiah chance uh, where he you know, made a complete hash of it, first touch was poor, and then you know his dinked effort just goes miles over the crossbar. That was a really good chance. But on the flip side, you know, although Eddie had a, I think we'd, we'd say an under par performance, I one thing so. you, you will always get with him is he works tirelessly and his tireless work rate resulted in us having, you know, probably the easiest chance we've had all season to score when he nicks the ball off Konza, plays it into Erdegaard who, God knows how he misses it, but <laughs> he does. Um, he's not the only one that has missed open goals this weekend. Dallow missed one today. Haaland missed one yesterday. So, you know, it's not just an Erdegaard thing, um, but he really does have to be putting that away. And credit to Erdegaard because after that, it's not like he went into his shell. I thought he got, went better and better and better. His performance really enhanced. Um, fantastic performance from him in the closing stages of the game. You know, without him playing at such a high level, I don't think we win it. But we just looked ruthless. We were bearing down on goal. We had them camped in. And yeah, I mean, that, that final goal, he couldn't have come in any better circumstances. I, I'm almost, in fact, I am more happy that it ricocheted off the crossbar and back in off Emmy Martinez. And just touching on Martinez quickly, because he's not a guy I want to dislike. I've got no reason to dislike him. Well, I, I say that, I don't want to have a reason to dislike him because I remember when he left and he did that, you know, quite emotional video on Arsenal's YouTube channel just after we'd won the FA Cup with him. And I was like, great, you've got to move to Aston Villa. You're going to play regularly no hard feelings. I wish you the very best of luck of your career, but it's everything that's curtailed since where he's just kind of disrespected us at every opportunity. And I get it. Like you've been at Arsenal for a long time, you know, difficult. It's been difficult trying to get into the team. You've had very limited opportunities. Um, I thought the understanding was when he left that Arteta was to give him an opportunity starting the season in whatever season it was that he left in 2021, um, Leno would be on the bench, but he just wanted to be a team's out and out first choice. It's fine. Like I say, go to Villa, do the best you can, no hard feelings. Um, But all the time wasting yesterday, I mean, it just epitomised what he's all about. He's just like a really frustrating, like like I said, I don't want to dislike him, but he's made it very easy to not like him. Uh, So yeah, I've got... I'll just chuck in, can can I just go for it? I counted about five and a half minutes in total in that second half of him time wasting. But go on, carry on, mate. No, I mean, not not much more to add on that. I, I realise I'm going into a real spiral down the Emmy Martinez uh, <laughs> rabbit hole, but um, it just it just frustrates me because there was no reason to have any hard feelings with him. But he's, you know, I, I don't think there's any Arsenal fan that uh, likes him anymore. I don't think there's any Arsenal fan that sympathises with him in any way because it's all the stuff he said in the media, the time wasting yesterday. You can tell he really wants to get one up on Arsenal, but I thought he left us in a really nice, dignified way, won the FA Cup. You know, we got a good transfer fee for him. It's a shame because we don't want to dislike him, but he's made it very easy to uh, 
to not not get behind him. So yeah, I would say best of luck to him, but I won't because I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And do you know what? Um, that goal that uh, Jorginho scored, or the own goal off Martinez's head, and then us kind of being like brilliant, um, get in there. Um, it real to me had very much Chris Kirkland, Wigan, like Thierry Henry vibes of being like. Hulk. You remember that 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 image of Thierry Henry holding the ball up to Chris Kirkland, being like, "Do you want a time waste now? Do you want a time waste now?" Yeah. In the last minute, <laughs> absolutely delicious, Amanda. So we've got the goal. Jorginho has fired in an absolute perler. Um, Gabriel Martinelli teeing out. By the way, uh, again, impact player. And then you, Aston Villa get a corner from uh, Saliba nodding it away. They get a chance, and I'll be honest with you. I was terrified. Were you terrified? And then explain to me your jubilation when uh, Martinelli and and Fabio Vieira as well, both of whom celebrated before the goal went in. (laughs) Talk to me about that final goal. I will. I just want to go back to Jorginho. So when Jorginho scored, I was in the loo. And I've never missed an Arsenal goal. And I quickly went in the loo because I didn't think anything was happening quickly sat down and I just heard Cole scream in the lounge and I and he said I, I straight away he scored and I was like well, he's got I'm trying to get out of the loo quick to come and have a quick look at the the goal and everything okay what do you mean we score who scored Georgina oh my god and I, I just want to just I'm going to talk about Martinelli in a second because I want to talk about what uh Gab, Gabby Abla I can't say his name said. I want to talk about that um and I want to talk about the fact that still there are there are some Arsenal fans that will not give credit to Jorginho. I do not get it. If you are wrong, when you if a player signs for us and you slate him and then he does okay, can you not just hold your hands up and go, do you know what? I was wrong. I was wrong. I wanted Tierney on yesterday and Zinchenko was brilliant second half. I was wrong. However, Jorginho has done his best and what he can do. He's not Thomas Partey. He's a completely different player. But he goes and, he goes and shoots. And it comes off the bar onto Martinez's head. And the reason Martinez is the way he is is because he was brilliant for us. There was a quarter of the season he was brilliant. And unfortunately, Arteta didn't want to stick with him. And he left. Not Arteta. It was Emery, wasn't it? Was it Emery? It must have been Emery. Oh, it was Arteta. Okay. God, was it that really? How long has Arteta been there? 2020 Cup Final. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, and, and Martinez was brilliant. And I'm like, I was like, you, James, I was like, do you know what? He's done brilliant for us. And then he left and goes and does all this. I'm sorry, I've got no sympathy. It's the best thing that's ever happened. It was the best goal of the whole game yesterday. Not only the fact that idiots on social media slagging off Jorginho before he's even kicked a ball, which I, drives me insane anyway when anyone signs for us. But the fact that he goes and shoots and it comes off Emmy Martinez's head is fantastic. And then, and then Martinelli. What an impact sub. And maybe this is the way to go at the moment. Because he has been, I think he's been under average. I wouldn't say he's been terrible, but he's been under average, you know. And for Gab- Gabriel Ablon, oh, my God. Ag- Ag- here we go. Oh, well, Barnaby said it, and he's a United fan. Um, Agbon Lahore thinks that Martinelli is rubbish. Right? When I saw that tweet, my blood boiled. And I don't know if TalkSport actually do it for people like me to respond. But I told him, A, it was disgusting. He has not been rubbish. He's been he's been a fantastic team member and he's worked his socks off. And second of all, the fact that he is allowed to celebrate if he knows he's going to score a goal. I do not understand ex-players going for players 
Ian Wright would have done that. Thierry Henry would have done that. I, I, Perez, I would have put my money on Perez doing that. The fact is, he was running into an open goal. He looked behind him and he celebrated. I've got no issue. And it wouldn't have bothered me if any other player did it. But yeah, it's because he's an Arsenal player. And Martinelli was... I mean, when you see Martinez coming up, it was the most bizarre feeling because I never sit there... Other teams would have scored. That's how I always see it. I don't think I've seen a goal like that from Arsenal. And because what we would have done from the, from the halfway line is gone, shoot, shoot, there's no one in the goal and he'd have missed it. The fact that we played it up the field like that and, and he walks it in. Oh, my God. I would, again, would have loved to have been in that crowd when they went to them because we were 2-1 down. And to win 4-2 when you just lost to City and everyone, and I mean everyone, has written you off because even Rebecca Lowe said on the show on Thursday night with me, she didn't think that we could do it. She's not sure Mikel could manage us through this part of the season. And I said to her, I, I'm not sure. It depends. How, I said, Villa is the biggest game of our season. It really, really is. It was in a, in a weird way. It was even bigger than Wednesday night. Mm. However, I think Martinelli was the most perfect impact sub that we've had in so long. He was brilliant. But the team were brilliant second half. I, I couldn't... Erdegaard, what, what uh, James was saying, I would have put my mortgage on him scoring it. I, of all people, there's no way he's going to miss that. Yeah, he misses. So we, had, we could have won this quite comfortably. But they had the most amazing shot, didn't they, that Rams, um, Ramsdale pushed onto the bar. I didn't even know he'd touched it. It was yeah, so I fast know. and so hard. And, you know... The, the thing with Ramsdale, he's, he's quite a loose cannon, isn't he? He's like, I, I don't know how to put, I can't think into words what I'm trying to say, but there are times I'm not sure I feel that secure with him and I love Ramsdale. But yeah, he goes and does that. And if you remember, we're up against Leicester next year, what he only did at Leicester last year with a save like that. So he's capable of fantastic saves as well. But yeah. Yeah. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Yeah, I mean, I'm just in terms of just on your point there on um, the dominance, I'm just going to read out some stats for um, those people that are loving a bit of the stats. So we had 67% possession to Aston Villa's 33. We had an 82% our pass accuracy to Villa's uh, 76. We, we made more than double the number of passes that Aston Villa did. Like they, they're they made 200 they successfully completed 237 passes we completed 525 we batted wow. them. we had 20 oh. we had 20 shots on target they had seven, sorry 20 shots 
uh, in total, they had seven. Like, um, uh, they're you know, all of the stats are in favor of the Arsenal. You can look at any of the kind of metrics, the XG metrics, all of like that. When you look at this game as a, if you didn't watch the game and you just saw Arsenal two, sorry, Arsenal four, Aston Villa two at Villa Park, you look at it and you think, and then you look at the stats and you think, yeah, they've battered them, but it wasn't. That is not certainly how it played out. And sometimes you get a bit of fortune, but even though we had fortune, because you know Leon Bailey could rocket that into the top corner, we lose this three-two, and we're all having a very different conversation now. As as it turns out, we've got two last-minute winners. And as a result, we're now waxing lyrical. But this was a dominant Arsenal performance that got what it deserved. People talked about how, oh, well, you drew 1-1 with Brentford last week, but you didn't, you know, it was unf- it was a wrong goal that Brentford scored, but you didn't deserve it anyway. Well, I'm going to flip that now and say, well, today or yesterday, we did deserve it. So, James, we are top of the league because Man City dropped off. They dropped two points. We are two points clear with a game in hand. Um, We play in a week's time. We play Leicester, which will be a very, very tough game. We'll talk about Leicester in a minute. So we've got 10 minutes. What I want to do, just for those people in the chat, if you have any questions, pop them in the chat now. Uh, We're going to talk for another five minutes and then we're going to leave the last five minutes just for purely your questions that will go across. Oh, can I just mention something? Sorry, I had it written down. Did you see? Well, first of all, Vieira, who I've always loved. I, I, I could see, I just can see he's going to be a great player. Yeah, he's been slated lately, but I'll take the notice of people. That pass was inch perfect. And not only that, did you see him celebrate as yeah. well? Yeah, it's yeah. just brilliant. And the thing is, I love it because we're winding so many other people's fans up. And the Arteta with the rolling ball. Have you seen that? Oh, my God, that video is just the best. The thing yeah. is, we don't care that we're hated. I couldn't care less. We carry on being us. And the fact that Richard Keyes is so wound up by us is just the best thing on the planet. It is delicious, utterly delicious. Um, so, yeah, if you want to put any related questions into the chat for the last five minutes, we'll do that. Um, James, just a minute or two on the psychological benefits of this, please, of this victory. It'll be massive. Um, I think if we'd have won this game, you know, <laughs> A bit earlier, perhaps it might not give the team as much of a uh, endorphin boost, if that's the best way of putting it. Because I mean, winning the game in the ninety-third minute like that—I mean, just look at those celebrations after the, uh, the the own goal. It was just beautiful to see. And I think going into London calling tomorrow, the place will be absolutely rocking. Um, and you know, it's a tough game coming up, and we'll talk about Leicester in a minute, but. Uh, there's no reason why we shouldn't win that game. I, I watched them play against United today and you know, Leicester are an interesting team because they absolutely battered United in the first 20 minutes, couldn't put the ball in the back of the net and then concede and just completely go into themselves and get absolutely dominated. So it's really important that we don't let them get an early goal. It's really important that we put that game to bed as quickly as we possibly can do, which you know we showed yesterday that isn't quite as easy as said as done. Um, but, you know, if if we've truly turned a corner after this poor run of results, which in isolation has been a very, very small patch, like if this is it, if this is the poor run of results we've had this season, then it's been a tiny, tiny sample size. I'm sure there's still going to be a few more bumps in the road to come, but I think this has been a really difficult period to overcome. I want to say we've got some through it. I think that will depend on how Saturday goes. But it's another opportunity for this team to, to turn the corner. And then after that, I mean, it's Everton at home, which, you know, 
you've got to win. We've got to get justice for what happened. Uh, well, I want blood. I oh, yeah, big blood. time. Oh, yeah. Big time. I really, really want it. Uh, so looking forward to these next two games coming up. Obviously, full focus on Saturday, but uh, I'm so <laughs> happy for for the players. They, they've really deserved this. Jorginho, especially, who um, we've touched on, has, uh, you know, we've not really spoken about him in great detail, but going forward, I thought he was excellent yesterday. Some of the forward passes he made, even in the opening goal where he kind of pirouettes away from three players, starts to move off. Um, he's a good addition to the team. I think he offers more than Lukonga does. The only thing I would say about him is defensively, that's where he's susceptible. And that's not his area of strength, whereas Partey is such a unique player and offers so much defensively and attackingly. I think Jorginho is more limited in that sense, but that's not to discredit him because he still offered so much yesterday. You know, he put in what was very close to a man of the match performance. So good option to have in the team. I think if we can get Partey back for next weekend and then get Jesus back, you know, within the next three to four weeks, God, if we can keep everyone fit, there's so much to be excited about. I can't, honestly, I can't wait to play City again at the Etihad uh, with hopefully a full team, but... In terms of confidence, this this will do the team a world of good. Mm. Amanda, so um, couple just a minute or two before we go on to a couple of questions, um, want to get your view on how you're feeling. I'm going to read out the next few fixtures and how important psychologically this was, and then that Leicester game. So we're just beating Aston Villa away from home. Next weekend we go away to Leicester. During the week, Wednesday the first of March, we're at home to Everton. At the weekend, at home to Bournemouth, we go away to Fulham, and then we're at home to Palace, and then we're at home to Leeds, and that, and that's when we get into the difficult run. Let's not focus on the difficult run for now, but so that's Leicester away, Everton at home, Bournemouth at home, Fulham away, Crystal Palace at home. Number one, how important was that psych- psychologically yesterday? And number two, how important is Leicester next weekend? Hard one, that. <clears throat> because really from Leicester onwards, you want to win the league, you've got to win all those games. They're winnable. They're the winnable ones. Um, we have to win our game in hand psychologically against Everton because everyone's going, we're two points clear with the game in hand. I've been around many years with other Arsenal and when we've had games in hand and we've not won them, they're not points on the board. They're just a game that you can possibly get points on the board. And me and Carl have been arguing about this. Um, psychologically, oh my God, if we'd have lost to Villa, I, I honestly think that we would have been fighting for top three. I, I, absolutely. Oh, top four, sorry. I really believe that because I think that would have just spiralled, to be honest. Um, and it's fantastic. And it's given me hope that we're still on for a fight to try and win the league. That's it. I've never said we are going to win the league. I said when we beat United, we've got a really good chance now. But the weirdest thing is, I, I honestly thought this last week. I really thought Villa was more important than City in a weird way, and I don't know why. I just felt it was. So for me, with uh, the most important thing is teams have got to fight against City. That's what we want. And I will say this now, and I've said this to my City friends, you're not that good. If you take Haaland and De Bruyne out of your team, you're not that good. I didn't rate them. I haven't rated them for weeks. They were galvanised by the um, the accusations sent to them. And I knew, again, we'd have to play them straight after that. Um, but I don't think that they were that good. They caught us at the bad time. If they'd have played us three weeks ago, we'd have beaten them. Hands up, hands down, we'd have beaten them. However, every game, young Christopher is a cup final now. 
So every game is as important. I think there's 15 to go and we've got to win 13, 14 of them. <laughs> and then think, it's, in, it's in our hands if we win every game, but hey-ho. Yeah, so uh, Amanda, let's take some questions. If you want to pick out some questions, but before you do, Cookie, just oh, uh, Amanda said... I'll put one on there, okay. That's fine, we'll, we'll ask that in a second. But uh, James, just as a really quick fire one, how many games do you think we need to win to win the league? Oh, good question. Um, I think bare minimum, probably got to win 11. Uh, and I think a lot of that will depend on, you know, the results against City when we play them. Um, obviously, there's a lot of important games in there. That is one of the, the most important ones. If we go there and win, or, you know, at least don't lose, that's a that's a really big result. But a win there would be massive. And that's why I say I can't wait to play them because when we go there with Party and Jesus, I mean, to put that into perspective, that's the equivalent of them losing Haaland and Rodri. You know, you'd see a different City side where those two went out. So if we can have everyone fit for that game, which... You know the likelihood of that is is really minimal, probably. But if we can go there with our full first eleven, I think we've got a really good chance of beating them. So yeah, for me, I think um, eleven eleven wins should do it. Yeah, I'm sort of teetering between um, ten and eleven, and if one of those ten is Man City. But um, let's go into questions, Amanda. Let's uh, ask some questions. So do you want to fire out the okay. uh, questions? And I'll fire on? it out. And this is something I wanted to talk about. This is Eddie. Question is: Is Eddie good enough to play for the Arsenal? He works hard, but does he have the required ability? Does he get into any top, any other top six side as second choice striker? That is from Carl Stark. Thank you for your question. James, you can start with that and I'll answer it afterwards. Um, so I'll go with the latter part first. Yeah, I do think he gets into most top six sides as a second choice striker. Um, what top six sides are we looking at? I mean, City, they've got Alvarez, so no, he wouldn't get in there. Uh, who's third? Uh, is it Newcastle New- still? Yeah, he'd get into Newcastle. Well, they've got Callum Wilson and Isaac, so yeah, he would get into Man United's because they've only got Val Weghorst, so he definitely gets in there. Spurs have only got Harry Kane, so he gets in there. Um, I do think he's a very valuable second choice striker. Like, like I said earlier, what you're going to guarantee with Eddie is someone that's going to work hard. Uh, I think what we've just seen recently is that that amazing start he had where he was scoring goals almost at will was just faded away a little bit. Um, one goal changes it, I think. It changes the whole perception of him. But he has been very, very positive. Um, I think it just depends how he finishes this run whilst he's in the team. Because if he carries on as he's playing now, I think it makes that decision regarding Balogun a bit easier. Because I think there is a, a real question to be asked as to whether we sell Eddie uh, for, you know, for 30 plus million and bring Balogun into the fold. Like, I, I wouldn't have too many problems with that. I don't know about you guys. Um, so... Yeah, I think uh, he's got to get some more goals, ultimately. He's got to, to find that end product again. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, mate. I, To me, I look at the situation we're in. We've lost, and I put this on Twitter the other day, people talking about Arsenal need to get some injuries. Hello, we've lost, we lost our best striker, the guy that fundamentally changed our team for... We're up... Originally, I said for a quarter of the season... Depending on when he comes back, it will be a third of the season. We spent a third of the season without Gabriel Jesus. If Gabriel Jesus is in this team and Martin and not Martin uh, and Enketia is rotating in, maybe Gabriel Jesus is fit and he played against Man City, and so Enketia starts today. Different conversation, and I think Enketia makes more of an impact. I think he's running out of steam at the moment. So my gut feel, hundred percent, yep. Happy with Eddie as a rotational second choice. The only problem we've got at the moment is that we are relying on him 
because Jesus is still out. Amanda, do you want to, should we go for another question? Yep, this is from Robert Stevens. Hi, Rob. What is your take on people saying Jorginho goals should have been disallowed due to two of our players standing in the eye line of Martinez and in offside positions? In my opinion, it's pathetic. Uh, absolutely spot on. Amanda, I'll get you to answer this after me, but I totally agree with Robert there. Um, you can't have that situation because I reckon any sort of long range goal, there's always a question mark around players in and around the box because of the natural ways in which teams are set up. If you're going to disallow goals for anybody standing in an offside position anywhere within a certain range, then you might as well just say, don't bother ever shooting from the edge of the box. Mm. I think it's total nonsense. And any Muppets that are saying it shouldn't have stood apart from, well, they're clearly just going to be Villa fans or parts of the media that have uh, certain narratives against the club. What do you think, Amanda? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't understand the rules anymore. Offside is offside. <laughs> you, just, you just don't know anymore. I watched a handball at Tottenham today. West Ham handballed it. They didn't even go to – it didn't even look like they went to VAR and stopped the game. It was a stonewall penalty. Of course, mm. we don't want Tottenham getting a penalty, but it was a penalty. He handballed it. It wasn't even – it was so intentional. However, you've got these two players. Are they interfering with play? As they, as the old adage says, anyone on the pitch is interfering with play. So mm. no, I, I, I would have gone mental if that would have been uh, talked off. But no, yeah. I just want to go back to because I didn't tell you about how I felt about Eddie, and mm. uh, I'm not happy if I'm honest. And I believe he's better coming off the bench. And I agree about Jesus and and that. Um, I just feel he is running out of steam, and I. Mm. I He's not doing it for me at the moment. It's such a shame because at the beginning, I was his biggest fan. I think he's going to do this, and he did brilliant. But he did make the Odegaard. He did put pressure on the goalkeeper to pass it for Odegaard to miss. But however, we've got um, another question from Carl Starr. Okay, what final question? Um, how, well, I've got Mr. one Starr. more, but after this, how many points are we getting from the next five fixtures? And I would just like to say, I'm the sort of girl that goes one game at a time. All right? I don't look ahead. So... For me, it's all about Leicester. Let's not worry about Everton or anything else. So, boys, Christopher, how many points do you think we're getting from the next five games? 13. I'm going ambitious. What, a draw on I Saturday? Think Leicester, is that where your draw is? I think either, either Leicester or Fulham away will be a draw. Hmm. I think James. I'll have to go 13 as well. I think, yeah, 
I think for, I'll stick with 13. Um, I think you know, we've got a really good chance of winning on Saturday, but it's that Fulham game that you know people are assuming is a dead cert. I, no way. That is a really tough game. Fulham are flying. Yeah, they're flying this season. And you know we're coming up against William. We all know how that's going to go. So, uh, yeah, there's nothing guaranteed in that game. And Lena. Oh, God. Um, I've got two more questions, boys, and one of them will relate to what we're our prediction at Leicester. So, Richard, Let's go. Richard Whaley, not that I care, but why do you think fans of other clubs seems to hate Arsenal so much? Liverpool fans seems to run wallow in our defeats. United fans are the same. Don't they have others to hate? Oh, I suppose we're hated because we're top of the league, I'm assuming. Basically, yeah. Um, there's a couple of, I think people get bogged down. They, they sort of group fans into social media sort of personalities or mm. profiles. There's this one absolute Muppet who's a Liverpool fan. I think he's Irish Liverpool fan. I'm not going to say his name. I'm not interested in him, but occasionally he comes across my timeline because he wallows in it. I think it's just someone like that wants attention. And if he can go for the team that's top of the league, then he gets the attention that he craves. So I don't yeah. think the Liverpool fans that I know aren't, you know, wallowing in our, any any defeat or whatever it is. And the United fans, the few, well, the, the South-based United fans that I know aren't either. It's just those social media people and they're the ones that get their voice um, amplified. I Although think it's Barnum like uh, Barnaby Jones says. Yeah, yeah he's a United we're, fan. Go on. We're, we're a proper team, aren't we? Like, you know, United, Arsenal, proper teams. I think um, same same for Liverpool. When you look at City being top of the league, I think the, the one thing we've all got in common with them is, you know, old school United, Arsenal, Liverpool fans. You know, they're, they're the new kid on the block, but because of the way they've done it, I think we look at them as kind of being, you know, we're kind of emotionally we don't really care when they win the league like obviously that must be difficult for united fans but you know when we've not been in the title race in years gone by i've really not cared to a city have won the league like it gets tiresome seeing them win it year after year after year but because we've not got a historic rivalry with them um doesn't bother me like i just don't have any real emotional connection to city whatsoever hmm. right our last yeah melissa our lovely Melissa Broadbent question team against Leicester, and then we can go into predictions for it. James, oh, uh, Ramsdale, White, Saliba, Gabriel. Um, I would stick with Zinchenko based on that second half performance. Uh, if Partey's back, Partey, otherwise, it'll have to be Jorginho, um, Erdegaard, Vieira, Saka, mm. uh, and Ketia Trossard. Interesting. I would go all of that, except I would probably have, oh, I'd have Xhaka back in. Uh, and I might give Trossard another go. Um, I think it really, I probably need to spend more time looking at Leicester because do they, whoever they play on the right-hand side. They are dreadful. They'd be more defensively. Would, they are so yeah. bad. <laughs> do you need somebody who's direct? A direct runner yeah. rather than a tr tricky, Mate, jinky their, type. Their player. number three, Woot Fez, is awful. If we can just pinpoint him and just run at him and I'm pretty sure he's a centre half but he plays on their left hand side which means Saka and Erdegaard should hopefully have a field day against him I mean obviously he turns into prime Maldini against us but <laughs> based on what I saw of him today he, he was all over the shop he was really really poor so we've really got to attack this Leicester team do it fast do it early there's goals to be had they've got so much space in behind cool Amanda take us home because I think that's the question's done so take us home mm. to the end of the pod 
Um, should we do predictions or not? Um, I would go with the team that Chris said, actually. I would stick with Trossard, but I'd have Xhaka and then I'd probably, generally, what we had against uh, Villa. Um, what's your predictions, young James? I will go 2-0 uh, Arsenal for this one. I mean, we'd, we'd overdue a clean sheet. Chris? 2-1 Arsenal. Okay. Me. Oh, God. Um, I'm going to go 1-0 Arsenal. Okay? I think it's uh, going to be something like that. 1-0 to the Arsenal. Um, boys, fantastic show. It's been buzzy and interesting. And thanks to everyone in the chat room. Um, we've had loads in tonight. It's fantastic. Please subscribe. Please press like. You're not going to miss our shows. I would just like to say thank you to Ramzino9, who said, great interview with Rebecca Lowe last week. Amanda enjoyed it so much. From Mogadishu. Wow. It is incredible the amount of global fans we have. I love it. I love the overseas fans that join us. You're so welcome. Um, we'll be back next Sunday night. I'll be back Thursday night, um, 8 o'clock, with Alison Bender from Sky, who has been interviewing our players. You're not going to want to miss this because she often WhatsApps me and asks me that, what questions I'd like to ask them. So she's going to be so interesting, and she's a mad Chelsea fan. So we'll be finding out what's going on down there and what she thinks of Potter. Um, she's going to have a little Thursday uh, Thursday chatting with me. But me and the boys will be back next Sunday night at 7.30. Thank you all for joining us. Um, thank you for all your lovely comments as well. It, it's great that you enjoy the show because we do it and we love chatting with you lot as well. Chris, thank you for hosting. James, thanks ever so much. Everyone, enjoy your week. We've got a week off. No more Arsenal till next Saturday at three o'clock. So we're top of the league, two points clear. As I say every week, enjoy it because we were only off the top for about five minutes. Always Arsenal. Good night, everyone. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.